Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Black Country Ramble. We've got something a little bit different this week. Um, in you know, in keeping with things being a little bit moved around, schedules changing, um, we're not going to do our usual review the most recent games and then preview the next games. Um, it has nothing to do with the fact that Albion lost to Blues last night, honest. Um, I just really don't want to talk about a Scott Hogan hat-trick, really. Uh, but no, we're joined this week by a guest. Um, JB, we have this guest at, um, sort of thanks to you. Do you want to explain a little bit who we've got on and how that's come about? So um, our guest this week is sort of, a, a, I suppose, a bit of a legend in local football circles in terms of a little bit further north than where we are. Um, I work with Wayne. Um, worked with him God, what, about five years now, Wayne, I think, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, got a fantastic sort of career, really. Probably, you know, probably doesn't like talking about it because he's quite a modest, humble bloke sort of thing. But he has got a, a really sort of solid, good career. Um, and I'm really glad we've managed to get him on today. So we've got Wayne Corden, previously of Port Vale, uh, Mansfield, Leighton Orient, plus um, amongst others. Um, and just, yeah, welcome, Wayne. Good to see you. Good to hear you off you. And uh, thanks for coming on. No problem. Yeah, lovely yeah. to have you, Wayne. Um, we would normally start with trivia, um, but I think we're going to just jump straight into it, aren't we, JB? Yes, let's go for it, my man. Um, Wayne, <laughs> firstly, one thing that um, that I thought, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely speak about that. Um, everybody knows good footballers growing up. JB, yourself, like you, you were a good, good footballer growing up. Like you were, you were in, you played for a decent state, JB. <laughs> 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 Oh, oh. <laughs> Wayne's not having that at all. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't so know. You, I don't know. You, you played for decent standard um, while yeah. you're still in you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 A good Saturday league, so on, so on, so yeah. on. Um, what is the transition like, Wayne? And I know, JB, you've probably heard so stories about this before. What was the no. transition like from being an apprentice, being, you know, finishing school and getting to be a professional footballer um, in the 90s? Wayne, how was that at that time? Uh, yeah, so basically, I, I um, started training with Vale from the age of eleven, um, and then obviously you go, you train and train and train, and then when you leave school, it's like, what do I do now? And I, I was offered a, a white, they called it a YTS scheme then. Yeah. Um, at the age of sixteen to eighteen, so it's a two-year YTS scheme, and then at the end of that, when you're eighteen it's either make or break. Mm. You're either uh, signed on as professional or... On the scrap yeah. yeah. Do you remember the moment you were told that you were going to be signed as a pro at Vale? Yeah. Um, so towards the end of the second year of my YTS, I was offered a scholarship in America and oh. I went to the manager, who was then John Rudge, and said I've been offered this scholarship. And as soon as I said that to him, he was like, I, th I don't know, I wouldn't say he panicked, but he he, he got me on a professional form straight away. Mm. Did, did, did you go, did you go to John Rudge with the intention of sort of not, not backing him into a corner or pushing him, but did you think if I go to him with telling him that I've got this, this alternative offer, it might he might nudge him into give it. Was there, was there a little bit of, we were trying to box clever a little bit with that, or were we genuinely just going, look, I've got this offer, you know, and I'm letting you know out of, out of you know, good interest, really? Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, I wanted to, to stay in this country. The scholarship was um, over in America. Where was um, it? I'm not sure where, but it was a four-year scholarship in America where you go to a university and play football. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but as soon as I said that, he, he sort of said, you know, I think you'd be better off here. And he got me on a, a year's contract straight away. So Brilliant. I love that. Brilliant. I think that that moment is uh, something that anybody who ever plays football as a kid would dream about. Um, I love that. Whatever, whatever level you go on to, whatever level you start at. That is such a pivotal moment, I think. There's a programme on at the moment. I'm not sure whether either of you have seen. There's a programme on Channel 4 at the moment, and I can't think what it's called. And basically, it's, uh, it, it's focused on the Crystal Palace Academy. It's brilliant. You haven't seen it. It's really good. I, it's have, I haven't seen it, but it's that's where I live in London now. So it's this southeast London area. Yeah, it's, 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 it's impulsive viewing. Um, and I imagine, Wayne, if you watch it, mate, it'll be like a million miles from what you experience. I mean, these kids, they are... 
I mean, the, the facilities and the way they're treated, mate, and the, the physio. It's not, it's not the first team players already, isn't it? Watching it, it's incredible. But watching like kind of the build up to whether or not they're going to get offered an extension to the, yeah, or, sort yeah. of, or get the YTS. I'm not sure. I don't know if it's still called YTS or what it's I called mean, now. When, when we, because at the end of the season, at the end of the second year, each player has to go into the manager and they're either told yes or no. So it's, it's quite an upsetting time because, some players are in tears when they're told, you know, we're not going to take you on. And then they go on their own way. But I, I was quite lucky because I was told quite early that I would be taken on as a, as a professional. Yeah, that, that must be very strange to if you've grown up playing with people and then they're just told no and you're told mm. yes or vice versa. It must be. I'm very guessing, strange. Wayne, as well, back, back, back then, there wasn't really almost like a support network. Like I know now, watching this watching this Crystal Palace documentary or, or however you describe the program, they have links with like you know. So I'd imagine Crystal Palace would have links with I'm not you know top made Leighton Orient or Charlton or whoever the the, the, the lower league t- teams are. There wasn't that in place. I'm guessing we, we when no. you were there, it was literally you were done. It, it, it was cut and shut. Really, you either, you were taken on or you're gone. Wow, Which is, um, it's not it's not very nice, but. Um, like I said, there was there was there was players who I played with for two years that were in tears when they came out of the manager's office. And do you know of any that went on to to, to forge a decent career? Or good question. Um, there was out of the 16-18 YTS that I played with, there was only two of us that were taken on as pros. Oh wow! Um, wow. Obviously, I I went on to play first team football but the other guy played a few reserve matches but then sort of he's all that sort of, they sort of disappear it's so strange yeah it no. be a very strange thing another thing that we we sort of earmarked as definitely having to talk about um is how much football has changed in that time because jv is a proper nostalgia merchant you don't mind me saying JB. No, no, mate. I'm a 90s baby. I love he, it, mate. He loves 90s football. I love my 90s stuff, yeah. He loves his Serie A. Um, someone who was in football then, Wayne, and isn't um, in, in necessarily in football in the professional capacity now, how much has football changed in your view? I just think it's obviously statistics now. They go on, you know, they monitor everything you do. That How many, how many miles you run in the game how much work you do what food intake you you know well, what you you told us before we started recording Wayne that you did most of your football in the opposition half and you wouldn't get tracking back that often so maybe your miles run would have exposed you a little bit <laughs> <laughs> I was, when I I made my debut as a reserve um you know the reserves at Vale at uh, West Brom mm. and I was told to play at uh, wing back it's got to be the hardest position that you play because you, you're supposed to defend and then get up and down, up and down. And that wasn't really my game. So, yeah, but it's a common thing now. You see all the top managers, they, if it's not their main system, they all seem to have a three at the back that, that needs wing backs. And fullbacks have changed so much. And so many wingers, you know, in the 90s would now by default be wing backs. That's where they would play now. How else do you think it's changed? Um, you know, we've got things like VAR. Obviously, the rules seem to change every year. It is a totally different game from even when I started watching. But for someone who played in that time when when it was a lot more, um, well, maybe it was a lot more blood and thunder. You, you know, I'm sure you know you know better than I. How else has it changed? It's like the, you know, like the back the, the back pass rule where you, you could. Yeah. Um, Put the ball back to the keeper. Keeper could pick it up. Now it's like a foul. Yeah, exactly. Um, would you that would have been nineties or? Yeah, that would have been ninety two. So you would have been um, just before you would have turned pro. That would have changed. I bet. Yeah, I bet that was weird. It was weird. I mean, the keeper <laughs> can't pick the ball up. <laughs> he had. He had to. He has to boot it upfield now. Or... It? It's bizarre. Well, deal, like, deal with that. <laughs> yeah, deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but if Denmark are going to win the Euros, they had to do something drastic to change it, didn't they? Yeah. Um, I, uh, I also wanted to talk about it while we're still on sort of 90s and Vale and all that thing. Um, when JB and I were, were prepping, um, 
I I said to Jack, obviously I, it's a little bit before my time. I said to Jack, oh, okay, like was he a decent player? Who did he play for? And Jack Jack was like, yeah, he's got hundreds of football league appearances. Played the FA Cup against Arsenal. Played at Highbury. And I went, hang on, this guy's played at a very decent level. Um, so I took myself away and I watched the highlights of the replay when um, when Vale played Arsenal. Was it 98, Wayne? It would have been, yeah, 98, yeah. 97, 98. Yeah, so this is Arsenal at their absolute, like, prime. This is Arsenal, like, Wenger's in full flow by this point. Um, I mean, Dennis Bergkamp scored an unbelievable goal in that game. What was that like? How nervous were you? Obviously, the first game playing at Highbury. Um, describe that experience of playing the best team in the country. Unbelievable. Um, obviously, well, we were in the championship at that time. They were flying high in the uh, Premier League. <clears throat> um, and like you say, players like Dennis Bergkamp, Overmars, uh, Ray Parler, Lee Dixon, Martin Keown. Um, I don't know how, but we scraped to nil-nil at Ivory. <laughs> um, did you get battered that game? Did you get battered and did you just shut up shot? I didn't get battered, Jack. <laughs> we, got, we got hammered. <laughs> and we came off the pitch and thought, we've got a nil-nil draw away at Ivory. So, obviously, the replay was at Vale Park. But, um, yeah, unbelievable times, unbelievable games to play in. Because was it on? It was, it was on. Sorry, okay. was it on? Was it on Sky? Was it? Because obviously I know now, like every game seems to be on Sky. I just wondered if it was like, like a Sky game or something, or whether that, like the atmosphere around the club and the, the town and stuff was just. The, the... Our, our atmosphere was superb. I'm not sure if it was on Sky, but um, obviously the replay was. Yeah. Um, when when they came back to Vale Park, so that was on that was on Sky. Yeah. And I guess that was quite a big, big thing. Because obviously, you know, all the cameras there and all the, you know, the Sky trucks. I mean, I remember when I used to work at Wolves and if Wolves were picked for a home game, it was like a completely different sort of game with all the trucks that come the day before. And you'd have like, I don't know, it, 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 well, it was actually Richard Keys and Andy Gray before they, they, they got sacked off sort of thing and what have you. And it, it was Andy Gray that come on. Uh, yes, he was. Yes, he was. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it must have been incredible for you, mate. It must have been incredible. Did you feel on the pitch? I, I know. The, the, could you see the difference in terms of what you were used to week in, week out? Could you see that? Could, could you see and feel that gap on the pitch? Yeah. Um, Obviously, facilities-wise, <laughs> the ivory was superb. Like I said to you, Jack, the other day, the pitch was absolutely immaculate. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about it the other day, weren't we? Yeah. Like, like you say, it's like a bowling green. It was like a bowling green. The pitch was superb. It was a be probably the best pitch I've ever played on. Um, and all the it, the old hybrid grounds, the stands are that close to the pitch, and all the crowds are close to you. Yeah. But now all the all the stadiums are that much bigger. It's um, I think it was it was sort of better in in them days because you feel closer to the crowd and yeah. you can hear things and everything. Highbury was always I mean notoriously Highbury was always look when you watched on it on TV. It always looked like you were packed in. Do you know what I mean? It always looked like you was you were on top of the pitch. And I can imagine playing in that would have been a phenomenal experience for you. It was amazing. I mean. I was, that was one of the best memories I've got. It's like 38, 39,000 fans in there. They were expected to win, obviously. But um, did you go with the Did you go with the game? I know it's like, Did you go with the game plan, or was it just to myself, go out and enjoy yourself? Nothing expected of us. Yeah, just enjoy yourself. Not yeah. not expected to win. Yeah, just go for it. Really. Well, another question, sort of on that. Uh, firstly on that game and then a wider one which might come back to that game uh, did you swap shirts with anyone Wayne in that game not, not in that game but um, we played Liverpool in another third round tie and I, I actually swapped shirts with I got two shirts I don't know how <laughs> um, I got Patrick Berger and um, Steve Staunton's shirt no way oh nice very good so, I haven't got a clue where they are now <laughs> And one of them left shirtless because if you <laughs> you swap two for one, someone's going to change their way. Um, 
with the with sort of with that in mind, who was the best player that you ever played against? I mean, you reeled off the Arsenal players there, and then you played against Liverpool. I'm sure you've had other games. Who was the best player? I mean, Jack came uh, at school the other day. Jack came into class and was I, I had some uh, goals on YouTube. Uh, Dennis Bergkamp. It's got to be Dennis Bergkamp. Yeah, yeah. incredible player. Yeah, I mean, his, his, his brain and the way he thought and the way he knew what he was doing before the ball came to him. Yeah. Um, obviously, that, that team had some incredible players in. Mark Overmars. I mean, he, he, he broke away. When we played down at Vale Park in the second leg, he broke away and there was a couple of... <laughs> I mean, I, I was one of them. It, it looked like we were running in quicksand to try and catch him. <laughs> it was that fast. Everybody says that about Overmars. Everybody. I remember reading, um, I think it was in Michael Cox's book, um, The Mixer, on sort of the evolution of Premier League tactics. And there was a whole chapter on that period of Arsenal and stealing that power from uh, Man United. But so much of the focus was was on Mark Overmars and how good he was mm. and how Incredible. fast he was and how underrated he was. Um, so again, took myself off to YouTube. What a player. What yeah, a player. incredible, incredible player. He was really good. I mean, there were so good players in that Arsenal team at that, you know, in that season and, and seasons after that. But um, was Martin Keown as nasty as he, as he comes across on the pitch? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because um, because we were we were we were near the lower part of the Championship, and they were obviously they were up in the Premier Premier League. Um, we came off the pitch, you know, having been sort of hammered, as you put it. <laughs> but um, it, he sort of barged into John Rudge and said, "Why don't you play like that every week?" And he pushed really? John Rudge, he pushed John Rudge into the corridor, and you know, because he was frustrated that they hadn't won, but we'd held them to a draw. So yeah, his uh, his nickname at Arsenal was Bob. Um, as in Brain of Britain, um, because he's thick as big shit. <laughs> Put it mildly. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, you're, you're, who would you have played against in that game? Like, so you you were what, a left winger in, yeah. in that Vale side? Lee Dixon. Lee Dixon would have been your man. No, um, no the, in, at Highbury, it was a player called uh, Grimondi, was it? Oh, Giles Grimondi. Giles Grimondi. Yeah. Yeah, Dixon um, at Vale Park. Yeah, nice. What was, was that like? Lee Dixon, obviously, he's a legend. They're all legends. Absolutely, but, um, legends. Yeah, it was. It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. Amazing times. Brilliant. In terms, just, just touch. Just obviously, I know we've got feel like we've got loads to talk about Wayne, but just touching on going back to what Wayne's about the the way that the football's changed and he, you know the evolution of it and things like that. Obviously, it's notorious and well-known that sort of 90s football, there was a bit of a drinking culture and things like that, you know. Like you said, your, your calories weren't monitored or what you were particularly eating and things like that. It comes across reading stuff and, and, and watching things that the majority of the 90s players basically know. It was part of the culture. I listened to Paul Merson talk a lot, Tony Adams. I know they were, they're the easy ones to pick out because of their addictions and things like that. But was, was there... Was there, were there any players who kind of completely backed off from that that you play with that really were kind of dedicated to the, or was it just part of the culture? It was like, you know, a few beers after the game, or was there any players that were like, no, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not interested and, and this, I want to try and do what I need to do? Yeah, there's, there's always two or three players that sort of stick by the rule book, if you like. Yeah. Um, but um, when I was at Port Vale, when I was, when I was a young apprentice or young pro, it was a culture on, on a Wednesday night. The reserves played, yeah, and all some of the pros would come and watch. And Wednesday night was the time to go out and party. Wow! So we had a night out on a Wednesday night after the reserve game. But I think a few months down the line, John John Rudge, who was the manager at Vale, was not too happy with that because players were coming in to train on Thursday, steaming. Sort of stinking the booze and yeah, um, so he, he sort of cut down on that. Yeah, I, I mean that's 
it was that time really wasn't it that with vengo is often credited with killing that that yeah, culture yeah. of um going out you know your wednesday night drinks or whatever um so did, did you have sorry keen just sorry i think there's sorry mate just touching on that, well. this, this, this is where my 90s thing comes in, where I'm obsessed with it all and I'm sort of in my element here now. Nostalgia merchant. I am, mate, absolutely. Did, did the food that the club fed you, was it like, was it, you know... Great was question. It, was, it, was it good food or was it, you know, you know, did you finish training and did they feed you? Did you, or, I'm not sure, I sound silly, what was the level of, of obviously now, players have all the food provided by the club. Whereas in the 90s, I was thinking, was that a thing, really? I don't no. know. At, at Port Vale, I, you wasn't fed. It was only later on in my career that um, after training, you should yeah. be getting a decent meal down here. But at Port Vale, it's like, do what you want. <laughs> and that's like the equivalent of the championship now. It would never happen, would it? It's bonkers. Mm. Yeah, when you think now, you know, you've got internationals playing in the championship. You've got... Top, top, top managers plying their trade in the championship. You look at Graham Potter two years ago, three years ago, as a championship manager. He's managing the Champions League last night. I, I think can't imagine just like West Brom having a train session and them all going for a Champions mixer or something afterwards. Do you know what I mean? Sort of thing. Well, well maybe under Brucey, to be honest, JP. <laughs> 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 right, right, lads, we finished training. Let's have a Donna kebab or something. <laughs> There's no way, there was no way, yeah, brilliant, I love it, that, that's where my head's at with it, I love it. But if you, if you, yeah, if, uh, if you want to model a healthy lifestyle, I don't think Brucey is the man you appoint, though, really. I don't, I don't know if Albion are all that concerned with that at the moment. He was getting <laughs> dogs of future and the Blues fans last night. <laughs> did you look after yourself, Wayne? Did you, in terms of like, you know, when you were at Vale and obviously, you know, Mansfield and things like that, you know, did you look, you know, when you were left your own devices, did you try and sort of eat, you know, the proper things in the week, if you like, or whatever? Yeah, yeah of course. Um, <clears throat> so obviously when, when you go to matches on a, on a if it was an away game quite far away, you used to travel on the bus and go on a coach and... Um, you had a, a meal at night and then in the morning you'd have a pre-match meal. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, look, I looked after myself in them days. It's just now I don't. <laughs> You've been there, done it, mate. You don't need to. You're all right. He's been there, done that, got two T-shirts from a Liverpool game. <laughs> <laughs> That's how the saying goes, isn't it? Um, Wait, I want to talk about two two moments um, that re- reading up that really stood out to, to me when I'm looking at your career. One is um, in that Arsenal game, the, the one at Vale Park, went to extra time and you score the equaliser after Dennis Bergkamp has put Arsenal ahead. Can you remember how good that felt? Yeah, like Jack says, I'm still living off it 35 years later. I was just going to add that content. You went to Wembley last year, JB, didn't you? There yeah. with Wayne, and you were like the entourage getting yeah, oh, mate, yeah. and Mansfield. Yeah, yeah, Jack's took a nice off, video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I used to play for Mansfield and Port Vale. I know. <laughs> on both sides. This, this I know. Um, <clears throat> it was um, obviously the players of, of that team that we play against for Dennis Bergkamp to score, and then obviously. People at home, people watching, even players on the pitch might have thought it was all over. Um, but to get the equaliser was probably one of the best feelings I had as a as a you know as a player. Awesome. Just it was an incredible night. But awesome. like I say, it was a shame we we ended up losing on penalties. But yeah, yeah. I sense. mean, at least you can still uh, dine out on it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and the other one, a real sort of opposite end of the spectrum. Um, you, you achieved promotion with Mansfield. Like you had success. I know you had uh, playoff success, I think, as well. Um, but you also missed a penalty in a playoff final in the in the shootout. What? Yeah, thanks for mentioning that. Yeah, I, I was thinking, <laughs> do I or don't I? Um, I from you know, I'm, I'm not a pro footballer, but but if that was me. I don't know how I would cope with 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 that level of like, okay, I, I've 
you know, all these people wanted me to achieve something. It didn't happen. Um, what was that like? I, I feel like every question I've asked at the moment has just been, what was that like? But yeah. describe the emotions around missing a penalty in a game of that magnitude, well, a shootout of that magnitude. So that was that was when the new Wembley Stadium was was um, being built. So we played at um, Cardiff at Millennium. That, that to 2004 sort of time was that. It was Huddersfield, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Huddersfield. 0304, maybe, yeah. So we played Northampton in the sort of playoff semi-finals, if you like. And um, I took a penalty there and scored. Okay. And went to the keeper's left, so obviously my right. Um, and obviously, Huddersfield might have watched that game. So in the, in the playoff final, I went the same way. And whether they'd studied the, you know, the, the playoff semi-finals, um, it went the same way, and the keeper saved it. So, was it in your mind to go the opposite way because of the way you're going in the semi, or, or were you confident in the fact that that was your penalty routine? I'm sticking to it, sort of thing. No, I was more confident going to the keeper's left yeah. with taking penalties. Um, but in hindsight, um, I was obviously I should have pulled pork. It, yeah. How long did it take to get over that? Because obviously you don't kick another ball for months after that. It's you know the last game of the season. How long does it take for you yeah. to get over missing that penalty? I've not got over it yet. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that might be the answer, to be honest. No, it was um because we had friends that went down with us that day, and I don't mind now admitting I was I was in tears all the way home. Yeah. You know, I, I thought I thought that um, I felt that I'd left uh, let the team down, let my teammates down. But you know, obviously, it's happened to better players than me. So, you know, Chris Waddle. Yeah, being one. Whatever. Yeah. Gareth Southgate. Um, but it's a horrible way to lose a game on penalties. Mm. And you know, well, we saw it in the it was, sorry, when we saw it in the summer, didn't we? With um, the three lads who missed, so we had Saka, Rashford, yeah. and um, Sancho. The yeah, third one, yeah. Um, and they they came in for such flack, and they have to shoulder the blame. But really, there's 120 minutes and nine other penalties. It is never mm. the fault of the person who misses the penalty. But no. we build up so much, don't we? We no, it's, it's, a, it's a horrible way to go out, and you can't you can't blame the penalty takers they're brave enough to go up there and take it so oh mate it takes massive ball to do that absolute ball were you, the, were you the walk the... you're sorry what, Sunday league cup yeah, final yeah. are you taking a penalty yeah I, I was always I was always, I was always penalty I always took, took penalties okay. and I only I only ever had one penalty shootout I feel like I'm right forward to me having a penalty shootout and Wales <laughs> on that um, I only ever had one and I was actually up at number five but, but I didn't I didn't get around to taking it because we'd, we'd already our keeper had played a blinder and saved their first three or something so never got around to it but I was dead I was really nervous it was only like the third round of the local Sentinel Cup or something like that but even I was nervous at number five for that. So for Wayne to go and, you know, step up in front of, I don't know, however many fans were there, 50, 60, well, I don't know how many was there. Um, I imagine it was a decent attendance either way. It takes a massive bottle. Um, yeah. And, and I think you've got to have it in your locker to do that. I think some players, you look at, um, there's, there's a video that does the round, Jean Moutinho, Porter in the 2016 Euros when they won it and Jean Moutinho, who, you know, probably the best midfielder I've ever seen at Wolves, you know, and he, 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 he was too scared to take a penalty. He, he, he literally, in this video, and he, he's like, I don't want to, I don't want to. And Cristiano Ronaldo basically grabbed him by the scruff of the neck in like, you're one of our best players, you've taken a fucking penalty and literally makes him take a penalty and he scores it. But like, you know, Jean Moutinho, you know, the coolest man, you know, in the Wolves midfield sort of thing, you know. Well, if a player like Moutinho is feeling that pressure, then, I'm sure you can be forgiven, JB, for feeling it as Sunday league. <laughs> I mean, you any pressure at the millennium. I think that's uh, that's understandable as well. Um, I, I want to move us on to sort of Mansfield because we're, we're getting, you know, put on veil here because they're the closest to us geographically. Like that's the, you know, that's sort of our Midlands. Um, but you were also very popular at Mansfield, played a lot of football at Mansfield. It, it was quite hard for me because I've, I've been at Port Vale from the age of 11 up until the age of um, going through all the 
school, football, YTS, professional, <clears throat> and then uh, a manager called Brian Horton um, took over at Port Vale. Um, and then at 24, I was told that I wouldn't be getting another contract. So it's quite it's quite a daunting and sort of sort of time. Um, but luckily, the assistant manager at Port Vale took the manager's job at uh, Mansfield. And when I was released from uh, Port Vale, he, he contacted me. So, you know, it's, <laughs> we spoke about this at school, Jack. It's, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And yeah. um, it was a chap called Billy Dearden. Who, he was a terrific guy. He was um, the assistant to Port Vale. He took over the manager's role at Mansfield, and he contacted me when he when he found out that I'd been released. Mm. So, and just looking at, at figures, you, you found your scoring boots at Mansfield as well. Was there anything you and you didn't score many at Vale? Was there anything you did, or did it just happen? Well, all of a sudden, you, I think I think because. Obviously, Port Vale were in the championship, which is yeah. a higher level than what I joined at Mansfield. They were in, um, you know, League Two as now. Um, obviously, it was a step down, but in my opinion, it was a step up in my career. So yeah. it, um, yeah. allowed, it, it allowed me to play against players that I, I could compete with because I... I being honest, I found it quite difficult in the championship. It was a tough league. It is a tough league now. Yeah. yeah. Um, but going down to League Two, still so tough. Um, but once I uh, found my feet and scored my first goal, that sort of set, set, set me on my way. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Did you feel like you were like... Could you feel it in yourself? You were you were flying. You were at home. You were comfortable. Like, did you go into every game feeling confident and stuff? Because like your stats are superb. There, you know. Obviously, we've spoken. I mean, I, you know, I, I know we briefly touched. Obviously, me and you when we went down to the playoff final uh, between Vale and Mansfield, which is so ironic. Bear in mind everything that's gone on in your yeah. career. Um, you know, we went down and we made a joke about it being your entourage, but genuinely, like, I've, I've it was a, a quite a surreal experience. You just brushed it off, but it was quite a surreal experience to me just seeing like, like the the respect and the, the adoration for you. And you know, the fans just absolutely idolize you. You know, I mean, obviously, we, we spent yeah. half the day with you had a spent half the day with a baseball cap on, sort of keeping you nut down, <laughs> you, you know. But like, when, when you know, on the on the tube on the way into Wembley from when we left that, that pub in, in wherever it was that we went, um, I can't remember what it was called now. What, what was that area called? Uh, Northgate Star or something was it called? Or what was that area? Yeah, called? Fin Finchley Road, Finchley, yeah. You know, like, and we were, they're all chanting at you on the, on the, on, I've seen on the video, I'm a fan, you're like, you know, you're obviously really well thought of, a bit of a club legend there. So obviously I imagine what, it was a place where you felt content at home and, and enjoyed your football. Yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> I, I think I played about 70 odd games for Port Vale and I played over two, maybe 220 games for Mansfield. And there's actually a, like a hardback book with Mansfield legends and I'm luckily, luckily enough to be in that book. Brilliant. Um, so, yeah, I got on really well at Mansfield and it was, you know, it's like 20 years on. Yeah. And some of them fans still recognise, recognise you and speak to you. And it's, it was a privilege and a pleasure to, you know, to play up there. Mm. Um, the, the thing that stands out to me really with um you know with that move and you know how how many times you played there i was thinking about that number um of your 200 games we we had a conversation recently about appearances jack and the, the four yeah. names we threw out um i think there was um was Connor Cody for a start Cody, yeah ben foster was in there um mm. neves was in there yeah. and Arden wingy was in there like we're talking albion wolves who's played you know, more games for the clubs well, that, Foster and Neves have played that 200 mark for Albion and Wolves, and they are like bona fide legends at their clubs. So it's like, and if you know, if we would see either of those players in 20 years, it would make perfect sense. 
that we'd stop them in the street and we'd be like, yeah. Ben, Ben, Ruben, Ruben. So like, yeah, it's a big it's number. Brilliant. Yeah, no, it's, it's, a re- it's a really big number. Um, when you was at Mansfield, did you, was, it, was there a certain period at Mansfield when you felt you were at your best, when, when you felt like everything, obviously, you know, you stats across the, the time there, but was, was there a certain season that really stood out where you felt like, was there a season that stands out for you where you felt like you played your best football of your career? Um, yeah. Where you felt at your fittest or you, you, everything you touched turned to gold? Like what, what year was that and what was that like? Not sure what year. I'll get mixed up. Um, so I know what age it was. I was um, 26 and 27. So we got promoted one year. Um Billy Deerham was manager, we got promoted, but he, he left towards the end of the season and uh, joined Notts County as manager. But that 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 was the year we got promoted. And the year after was when Keith Keith Curl took yeah. over. Yeah. And I think that without doubt, that was the fittest I've ever been when Keith Curl took over. Is that because uh, of his methods? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Keith Kerr was such a nice bloke, good, absolutely incredible player. Oh, I loved it. I loved um, him at Wolves, mate. I thought he's one of the best centre-halves I've seen at Wolves. Look, looked on the pitch, hard as nails. Absolute hard as nails. Yeah. Um, but the nicest bloke you would wish to meet, really. Um, but he, he got all the players so fit. And I felt when I was 26, I was as fit as I'd ever been. Yeah. Um, and then he got us in. It was Keith Curl that took us to the, you know, the playoff final, which we eventually lost. But um, that was probably the, you know, the two years that I felt the fittest of, you know, I've ever been. Yeah. Uh, um, on you sort of with with Mansfield um, and Vale, and they're both sort of. Well, Mansfield are very, very, very edge of Midlands. You, you wouldn't really call them Midlands necessarily, but they're, you know, they're not really that northern either. Um, whereas Bale are Midlands. Um, we we love Midlands football. We love to chat Midlands football as much as we can. But one thing that really runs through um, our podcast as a as a general theme is rivalry. Um, you would have played against um, Chesterfield and Mansfield, um, but you also would have played against Stoke when you were at Vale, what were those games like? Um, was one more fierce than the other? Um, what was that like? I think the Stoke and Port Vale games were more fierce rivalries. Yeah. Well, you know, in their own right, Mansfield and Chesterfield is a rivalry. And you know, when you play against teams that are close to you, it's, um, you know... Um, I mean, Stoke and Vale were massive, massive games. It was like some of my friends at school were Stoke fans, some were Port Vale fans. And the chat up to the, you know, leading up to the games, you, you know, you got some abuse at school or when, yeah. was, when I was playing at Vale. Um, but, but they are massive, massive games. Mm. What What's the atmosphere like? What's the pressure like? It, People, you know, they use the cliche, or it's like a cup final or whatever. How different is it playing Stoke to playing, you know, anybody else in the second tier at that time? Like I said, it's um, obviously I, I, I was a local lad, so mm. people took it like it, it was a matter of life or death, if you wish. Um, <laughs> I think we but, can um, to, to that as fans, can't we, Jack? Yeah, yeah, like, like West Brom Wolves and. Yeah, you know what it's like. It's um, the big, big games, and it's um, to play in them games is uh, is immense. Yeah, was 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 Victoria? Was it Victoria Park? I think it was called Victoria Ground. Victoria Ground. Yeah, that was one of the grounds. Again, I remember. I remember as a kid driving up to Waterworld as a kid and and, and going on the five hundred and seeing Victoria just on the left hand side as you come off Junction Fifteen, and obviously watching the TV. It looked like one of those grounds that looked. Um, was formidable, like you know, like it's a place you, you wouldn't want to want to go. Did it have yeah. did it have that feel? Yeah, yeah. In the middle of like all the terraced houses and 
that sort of thing. A bit like Vale, really, in essence, but it just it seemed a bit more intimidating than Vale, I, I thought, looking in from a fan perspective. Yeah, it was a long time ago, but from what I remember, like say it was in the middle of a sort of houses and housing state, but it was um it was intimidating to go there. Like you yeah. get you get certain grounds where you go to where you feel sort of intimidated, like I say, and it's can you remember any other grounds like that top of your head that you can remember that you, you went there and you thought, Christ, this is this is a bit edgy. Yeah, so there's Victoria Ground, Luton is yeah. similar. You know, it's, it, it seems like now the grounds are made sort of around shopping complex and things like that. Yeah. Whereas where the big grounds in the past were in housing estates. Yeah, yeah. That's what's that's uh, yeah, that's what makes it intimidating, I think. Yeah, it's a really yeah. good point, actually. But with Wolves, it's in the city centre, which is a really great place to have a ground. And with Albion, it's surrounded by houses as well. I like how traditional both Albion and Wolves grounds are. <clears throat> You'd have obviously played there as well. Um, which was which was better in your opinion? I won't. I'll just cut it if you say Wolves. But which was better? Hold on, hold on, on you. Wolves or Molyneux? Um, same place, isn't it? Hawthorns or Molyneux? Hawthorns. The line, the um, line is sometimes. Should I sit on the fence and say both? No. <laughs> no, you definitely should Because we get we get pelters for sitting on the fence with our predictions. So, no, you've got, you've got to pick one and tell us why. Um, sorry, but I've got to say Wolves. Yeah, because... Wolves. Well, don't um, worry, getting cut anyway, but tell us why. <laughs> <laughs> because I played in the first team at Vale against Wolves, but I only played in the reserves against West Brom. Um, but it meant more both, to you. Both superb stadiums, and um, you know, I really enjoyed playing against them sort of teams because it was sort of local. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think if we played Vale now, it's, it's been years since since Albion. Have played Vale. Did Wolves play Vale when they went down? Yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. We're twenty thirteen. Yeah, yeah, I went, and one of the few times I've ever, been, I've ever been scared at a football match. To be honest with you, there you go. See, that's what I was going to say. I bet it would be fierce. Well, well, the, 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 it, without digressing, the police made a monumental cock up and allowed the Wolves fans to filter out into the same sort of back alleys, if you like, where the Vale fans come out and we just got cornered. It was really, really scary, to be honest with you. Um, really scary. But that's the last time I remember. Again, I remember Port Vale as a kid. Talking to Wayne, I remember John Rudge being the manager. I remember, was it, were you there? Was Martin Foyle there? When it Was Foyle there? Yeah, um, yeah. I remember him. Um, God, I'm trying to think who else, who else was there. I remember John... Ian Bogey. That's it, yeah, yeah. i Lee Milks, he played for Wolves as well, didn't he? And Derby, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Because one, one of my overriding memories as a kid is Wolves beating Vale. I don't, I don't know whether you'd have been a kid on the books and we beat we beat Vale 4-2 and John DeWolf scored a hat-trick. Um, John DeWolf. The centre-half. Do you remember him with the long hair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know where, where, I don't know what, what I think that was about 95, 96. I'm not sure where, where, where you'd have been at that stage. Was yeah, it was 20, so... It might be '94 actually, but yeah, yeah, I was, I was a young pop then. I always remember, I always remember Wolves seeming to play Vale a lot and Mansfield. I want to, I remember them playing them in an FA Cup game. Did Lee Mills play for Mansfield? No, mm, don't think no. so. Lee Mills was playing for Wolves and he scored against Mansfield. I remember that as well. See, that, that's my memory coming out now. There you go, the nostalgia <laughs> merchant. That's it, mate. That's it. <laughs> JB, I think you want to take us home. A few questions for Wayne, um, and then we'll look ahead uh, very briefly to the Albion and Wolves games this weekend. Yeah, we're on the home stretch, Wayne. Like I said, we both really appreciate company tonight, pal. I've just got a couple of quick fire questions for you, mate, if that's okay. Um, ever had a fallout with a manager? Or, you know, sort of anything sort of, you know, what you, you had a fallout thought, Christ, you know, I could be in trouble here, or, you know, my, my, my time's up here, sort of thing. Anything like that ever happened in your career? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, moving on. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so I'll mention a couple. Um, who's the first one? Carl, Carlton Palmer. Ah, um, yes. Came, came to manage uh, Mansfield. And um, this was after I played over 200 games for Mansfield. 
Yeah. Um, he sort of, obviously he's got his own ideas of what he wants to do. First of all, he played me, you know, in the first team from the start, and then he got his own ideas and um, sort of shook me right out of the first team. So did he, did he give you a reason? Did he sound like he was down fancy, or did did he give you the cold shoulder? Didn't say anything. And then um, when um, we were training one day, and whilst the other players in the team, who I, who I'd known for like three four years, were up in the stands having having their meal and food after training, he sort of made me and another player sort of run around the pitch. So, wow. so, it's almost like humiliation. Yeah, he, he probably gave me the cold shoulder. Um, so that was a bit disappointing. Um, and another time was when I went to Scunthorpe, uh, Brian Laws. Yeah, God, yeah, God. So we played in the FA Cup. I don't know what round it was, uh, away at Bury. Um, I was I was on the bench from the start, but he he, he put me on a uh, sub. Yeah. And then five minutes later, he, he took me off. He double subbed you. Yeah, double subbed. Ooh, so nice. I felt quite humili- humiliated about that. Um, and Did then, you give a reason? Did you question him? Did you give a reason? Well, when he brought me back off, I just went in the changing room, got changed, got in my car and went went yeah, home. Don't blame you. Yeah, I so, um, he. <laughs> He dragged me into his office on Monday morning um, and said, um, where did you go? So I said, um, <laughs> well, you you put me on as a sub and then you took me back off five minutes later. So I said, I got in the shower and went home. So, you know, yeah, I, fell out, I sort of fell out with Carlton Palmer and Brian Laws. But Did you get fined for that off Brian Laws? Not fine, no. No, just a slap on the wrist. Slap on the wrist and a meeting with the chairman. He knows he's done wrong. Like, you do not double sub anyone that's like, that is the ultimate insult to a pro, isn't it? Yeah. Sort of taking the mickey a bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting you played under an an ex Albion player and an ex Wolves player there, Keith Curl and um, Carlton Palmer. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. And you played, you played, again, you played under Martin Ling, didn't you? Leighton Orient. Yeah. Did you enjoy it quick, quickly? Because I know we're out of time. Did you did you enjoy your time at Leighton Orient? Yeah, I loved it. Loved it at Leighton. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, good man. I remember when we went to London. You you were kind of trying to remember the places you used to sort of knock around and stuff. And you seemed really fond of you. You did start really fondly about your time at Leighton Orient. How you enjoyed living in London and, and things like that. Yeah, yeah. I was I, I lived on the outskirts of London in uh, Essex, so mm. it was like. I don't know, it was kind of getting used to. I, I took the tube one day and uh, I didn't, I didn't, when I got off at one station, I didn't want to go far because I didn't, I didn't know where to go. I wanted to get back on the same station. But then when I got used to it, you can, used to wander around. I didn't know you could get on like at different stations. Yeah. <laughs> it was, um, Quite a big learning curve for you there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine. Um, but yeah, it was great. Yeah, great enjoy it. All right, mate. I'll rattle through these quick five questions, mate. Favorite stadium you've played in? I know you, you really. I know Highbury was, was the best. You've already touched on that. But apart from Highbury, probably your favorite stadium you've played in? Sunderland. The stadium of life. Stadium, stadium of life. Yeah. Yeah, impressive gaff that is, isn't it? Really. And obviously Millennium. Oh yeah, of absolutely. Course. Of course, of course. Can you remember like a time where you played a game, atmosphere-wise, where you thought, "Christ, these fans are loud." Or this is tasty sort of thing. Even if it's in a way, even if it's in a way day, and you thought their fans were incredible. Yeah, so like I mentioned earlier, really, Swansea Swansea away was always a tough one. Yeah. They, their fans were, you know, they were they were lively. Um obviously the the local derbies against Stoke. Yeah. They, they were tasty ones as well. Yeah, definitely. I'm guessing the best player you've played against, or one of the best players, would have, I guess it would have come out the Arsenal side. I imagine, I imagine, best player you played against would be uh, Jack Bevan. Oh, well, do you know what, mate? Absolutely. <laughs> that was Friday afternoon kickabout <laughs> to the kids, mate. I showcased my talent. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, it's got to be Dennis Bergkamp, um, Mark Overmars. Yeah, Ian, any of them. Ian Wright. Ian Wright. Righty, yeah, what a player. What about best play you've played with? With? I mean, there was a lot of good players at Port Vale, but... Yeah. <clears throat> um, obviously, when I was at Mansfield, Liam Lawrence went on to play for Sunderland and Stoke. Yeah. Um, He's very popular at Stoke, isn't he? Liam Lawrence. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, you might not know this guy. It, Chris Greenacre, who I played at Mans, uh, Mansfield with. No, I can't. He's, he's over in... He played for Stoke. But okay. To play with, he was superb because he, he was a striker and he held the ball up and he always used to bring the wingers in. So he always liked, liked to play with him. Um, it's a tough one. Uh, maybe Maybe Liam Lawrence. Brilliant. And final, that day, uh, he's a good player, Liam, good career. He, he, he got around a bit, didn't he? He did well for himself. Final question. If you could push a button and go back to the 1st of January, 1990, and do it all again, would you? What's that word? Good man. Good <laughs> man. Good man. It's a lot of, some, people might, some people might say, no, I'm happy with what I did. I, w- I wouldn't want to rewrite the history books or whatever, yeah. But would, would you go back and do it all, all again if you could? I would, but I might like to change a few things. What would you change? He'd go keepers right instead of keepers left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all, like I said, uh, hindsight. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant, Wayne. Top man. Okay, the way we finish the pod every week is we always look ahead to the weekend, Wayne. Um, and we cannot let you go without... Um, First, looking ahead to um, two very tough games on paper for Albion and Wolves um, this weekend. There is absolutely no science that needs to go into this, Wayne. But <laughs> just throw a number out here. Um, Wolves are playing City um, as formidable a test as maybe there's been in English football, you know, in the, in the Premier League era. They are a top, top, top side Um I'm going to go 10 nil, JB. <laughs> no, wait. Sorry, sorry JB. Um, JB, you start off and then we'll go to wait. Give us yeah. a, your, your real opinion, Jack. Yeah, no, no, real tough test, mate. Real, real tough test. Um, like I say, it's, it's tough as they come. Um, in, in, in the last couple of years, we, we've had a decent record against, against City and, and, you know, we've always seemed to sort of play well, but there seems to be a different animal this year, particularly with Erling Haaland up front. He's just made out of I don't know what he's made out of, to be honest with you. Um, he, he's, he's something else. But, you know, in terms of foundations of the side, you know, we've got, we've got the, at this moment, in terms of on paper, the best defence in the league statistically. You know, we've looked really solid. I have no idea if Diego Costa will be involved. Not that it'd make an ounce of difference anyway. But it'd just be fun to watch. Um, do, you know, do you know what I mean? So, listen, it's going to be tough. I'd love to say we'll, we'll, we'll grind out a draw or get a shock result or something, but... Up until this point, the way we've played this season hasn't really filled me with confidence and I think City will just, just have a bit too much for us. So I'm going to go... Um, I'm going to go 2-0 City. Mm. I feel like you've got to account for the fact that Haaland's going to get at least a goal every week at the moment. Yeah. I'm, o- I'm hoping I'm hoping he gets rested, to be honest with you, but, you know, it's, it's one of them. <laughs> He's my fantasy football captain, so I'm hoping he does. Me, mine too. Mine too, mate. I'm, but I'll take him being rested, even if I lose the points. I'm not bothered. Yeah. Well, I'm currently sitting fourth in our Black Country Ramble League, so um, I could do with that, you know, I could do with FPL going in my favour because yeah. there's a shirt, um, either an Albion or Wolves shirt or a Newcastle shirt because I think Brad might be top of yeah. Brad Newcastle fan might be top of our league at the moment, but there is a shirt on the line for whoever wins um, at the, um, you know, our expense at the Black Country Ramble yeah. expense. Um, so I'm really hoping that, that that shirt ends up going to me or maybe <laughs> a charitable donation if uh, yeah. if I finish top. But I really hope I do. For professional pride, I take it very seriously. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go three nil. As you said, Wolves have been very solid defensively, and I really like that that pairing of Kilman and Collins. Um, but I don't see how you can limit that City side. Yes, they've played in the Champions League this week. They played last night. Um, we were recording on Thursday, so they've played Wednesday. It might be that Haaland gets a rest. But when you look through the quality in that side, um, even players like Cancelo, who are defenders, 
they are so creative, so dangerous. Um, yeah. Edison, for goodness sake, gets assists every year. Like, um, and I know you've had some good results against them in the past, but I don't know. Something feels different um, with Erling Haaland. Uh, they yeah. feel very, very dangerous. I'm going to go three nil. Um, Wayne, um, feel free to go ten nil. Um, how how do you see that one going? No, I just I wouldn't say ten nil. Um, I'm going to go eleven nil. <laughs> yes, Wayne. <You're> pretty- <laughs> No, um, to be honest, before you um, did your predictions, I was going to say 2-0 Man City. I think, you know, obviously Wolves are an incredible side, but um, Man City are just that strong in depth in the squad. So, can I say 2-0? Can I say Of course you can. Well, every week I give a prediction and JB just copies what I say. Get out of here. I even changed one the other week. Not hedging your bets. (laughs) Yeah, fantastic. Let, let's oh, focus over, over to the blue and white half of the black country. Um, all is not well at the Hawthorns. Um, I do not want to talk about it. I just yeah. want to predict a score. Yeah. Turn the podcast off, to be honest. Um, no, but on a serious note, we, we're, we've played fine this season until that Blues game. And it's like, oh, wow. We've yeah. still got Kyle Bartley at the heart of our defence. This is unsustainable. Um, I, I think, I think we're going to get a tanking. Um, I, I think, I think three nil. I, I, if Blues can score three against us, if Scott yeah. Hogan can score three against us, then Timo Puki can score three against us. I think this is the biggest defeat I've ever predicted Albion to have on the pod. Yeah, um, I'm going to go three nil Norwich. Um, just in keeping with how easily scarred we've been since. Since Billich, since the sort of final days of the Billich reign, all through the time we had Allardyce and all through the time we had Ishmael, we have never responded properly to a setback like getting, you know, getting beaten against Blues and Sky was going out through all this stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I think we'll lose, and by half five, Bruce will be gone. Um, but I don't, I don't know if I like that swiftly, but I think this could be writing on the wall for Brucey. I think, I think yeah. he'll be gone. Uh, Wayne, how do you see that one going? I'll be a bit more op- optimistic. I'll say 2-1. Two 2-1 one. Two, two one Norwich? Yeah. Yeah, still yeah sorry. <laughs> That'd be wildly optimistic with 2-1 Albion. <laughs> sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry, Brucey. I'll be, I'll be slightly more optimistic. You might last till half six. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Maybe. Go ahead. Yeah, real tough game, mate. Norwich, as, we, as you know, we're going to be one of the front runners for the for going up this year. They've, they've started off like a train. Yeah, really, really good. Um, yeah, tough, 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 tough afternoon. I think it's Dorf Albion. I'm going to go 3 1. I think you will score, but I'm going to go 3 1. Yeah, well, either yeah. way. Um, just because, just because of you know, the XG and stuff like that, and you are creating chances, maybe you'll score, but I just think Norwich will be too good. We're creating so many chances and we're not conceding chances. We just every time they get the ball near our penalty area, it's going in. We've yeah. got a very, very, very poor goalkeeper in David Butler. Yeah. I can't believe we've let the window close and sort of let that sneak yeah. the rug. Um, but anyway, and Kyle Bartley obviously filling in for a J at the moment. We're um, a little have bit. We, have, we, have we wrote these predictions down? I can um, jot them down, mate. Not an issue. Yeah, write them down, JB. If, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, I mean, the benefit of a podcast is they are. Committed to the audio waves indefinitely. Um, yeah. Saying that, I, I never go back and check, JB. I just know I'm terrible at predicting Albion and I'm really quite good at predicting. You, you did 3 0, 3 0 both, didn't you, kids? Yeah, 3 0 three yeah. City, 3 0 Norwich. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. If, that, if it's 3 0, 3 0, it's going to be a boring episode next week. And it's just... It'd be awful, wouldn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it really will. Uh, right. Um, Firstly, thank you to the listeners. Um, I really hope you've enjoyed this. Something very different. It's not Albion, it's not Wolves, but it is Midlands. And hopefully it was really interesting. I, I've thoroughly enjoyed this. It's been a real insight into um, what it is to, to play in the Football League. Um, thank you, Wayne. Thank you for coming on. Thank yeah. you for your time. Thank you for your candour as well and, and how honestly you've answered the questions. Um, I, I, I've really loved it, JB. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I really enjoyed it today, mate. I get the pleasure of uh, picking Wayne's brains most uh, most days. To be fair, but to do it officially and in a podcast has been great. So thanks, buddy, and I'll uh, I'll see you in the morning. <laughs> Cheers.
Thanks, thanks Kieran. Thanks, Jack. No, great. not a problem, mate. We really appreciate it, buddy. You're welcome. So thank you for listening. Um, we'll catch you next week for another episode um, where hopefully we've not lost 6-0 on aggregate um, <laughs> as, a, as a Black Country ensemble. Um, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Black Country Ramble. <laughs>